welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show from the Labatt Blue Studio. Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Bleed blue and white, drink blue and light. And don't forget to try the new Labatt Blue Light Seltzer Variety Pack. Available at retailers throughout Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. It's quarter number three. That means it's time to ask Ross. This is where we'll take your questions for Ross. Best question wins the KSN sweatshirt. If you want to submit a question for Ross, all you need to do is download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button there. Send in the question, and who knows, maybe you could be the winner of the KSN sweatshirt. Ready to go, Ross? Always. Let's do it. Okay. Let's start with Kent in Raleigh, North Carolina, who says, Hey, guys, appreciate your insight. And hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Can you walk us through how the transfer portal works? What I mean by that is you hear that players enter the transfer portal already knowing where they're going. So how do universities recruit, sign up, solicit, know or work with these potential transfer portal athletes prior to them entering the portal? Yeah, well, first of all, they're not supposed to. And that is supposed to be illegal. However... College coaches can always talk to high school coaches. Former high school players can always talk to high school coaches. And for that matter, former high school players can always talk to me, and I can always talk to college coaches. Now, I have not been involved in that. I have had people say to me, so-and-so's, you know, interested in... uh, transferring, you know, do you know anybody that would be interested, blah, blah, blah. But it's primarily through the high school coach. You know, the the player will let the high school coach know, hey, I'm thinking about maybe leaving, thinking about maybe transferring. And then a lot of times the high school coach might reach out to the guy he already, you know, the, the schools that wanted him the first time. Right, the schools that were recruiting the kid the first time around, knowing that they had an interest back then, and hoping that you know that can be a, a, a gateway to where they end up going. And I don't know if that's the case, but I I know you know I had one coach tell me, Jim, with well Will Levis, that you know they really wanted to try to get in on Will Levis. And then they found out, you know, as soon as you hit the transfer portal, they, they called him up. They called the high school coach, and, and they found out, no, he's going to Kentucky. It was already a done deal. So I don't know how that works because I don't know that Will Levis was recruited by Kentucky in high school. Maybe he was. I don't know. I don't know how some of the back channels work. But it usually is through the high school coach, is my understanding. But you know what? Here's the other thing, Jim. Sometimes it's actually, and I don't know if this is the case with Levis, but sometimes it's actually through the college coaches at the school he's already at. You know, like they might, he might tell the colleges, hey, I am thinking I'm going to leave. And they might start to work it. Now that's probably after he hits the portal. But I know examples where college coaches They'll call other colleges and say, hey, this kid wants to leave. Would you guys want him? Because sometimes they want him to leave. 
They don't, you know, if a guy is not playing for them, not starting for them, they don't want him taking up one of the scholarships. So I, I've heard for a fact of power five guys that call a group of five guys and say, hey, do you want these kids? Would you take these kids? You know, they're not going to play for us. Do you want them? That happens. I don't know if that happens with power five to power five, uh, but it's possible because maybe they want to make sure they get them out of the conference. Another thing going on with this, Ross, I believe as fans, some of us have a tendency to be down on a player for this. Hey, wait a minute. What's he doing that he hits the portal today and he's with another team tomorrow? But look at it like from real life. If you're working a normal job, do you quit your job before you have another one lined up? Same thing here for these players. I wouldn't hit the portal until I knew I had another landing spot, another place to go. So It's a great point, Jim. We've talked about it before, I believe. But way, way too many kids hit the portal and think then it's going to happen. And they're very surprised and disappointed by the lack of interest that they get once they hit the portal. And it's sad. I think we've mentioned it before, but they end up not not getting scholarship offers. Not only do they not get a chance to continue to play in college football, they don't even go back to college. You know, I, I think there's a lot of portal success stories, and so the kids hear those and assume that's going to be them when a lot of times it's not. Exactly. I'm not sure what the numbers are, but I think as many kids go into the portal and don't come out as actually find a landing spot. Uh, let's uh, go to Jeff in Northern Cambria, who says, please explain how Penn State players do extremely well at the combine and individual workouts, but it hasn't transferred to more wins for the program. We seem to have increased our recruiting efforts, bring in high, higher-rated talent since Franklin arrived. Is Penn State lacking in game planning and game day coaching, complementary football, consistency by the players? Overall, I think what Jeff's saying, and I've seen it, we have a couple other questions that are similar, Ross. If we're seeing so many Penn State players drafted and doing well at the NFL and at the Combine, how does that turn into a 500 record over the last two seasons? Well, the last two seasons have been very disappointing. There's no way around that. I mean, before that, I don't know, Jim, what they have? Out of a four-year stretch, they had three... 10-win, 10-plus-win seasons. The other one was a 9-win season. So it's actually just recent, the last two years, when they've been a 500 team. And um, I don't have a great answer for that. I do think it comes down, in my mind, to coaching and quarterback play. I don't think I, not either one has been good enough. The last couple of years, they lost to some teams in the COVID year that they shouldn't have. Now, in fairness, you know, people talk about all oh, the NFL players. Well, that's Micah Parsons is a lot of what they're talking about. And the two years he played, they were good. And then he didn't play that last year. And it hurt him a lot, just like it hurt LSU a lot that Jamar Chase didn't play. I mean, that's why that's part of the reason why LSU went downhill and Ed Orgeron got fired. 
it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and so I think that's part of why Penn State hasn't been quite as successful. I don't think they have as much of an excuse this year. I think this year is just really disappointing. Really disappointing. You know, the other year you could say COVID and Micah, Parsons or whatever. This year, to me, it's like there is no excuse for what happened in 2021, Jim. It's not, it's not okay. It's not good enough. Earlier this week, Ross, Dustin and I did a segment with, we did our individual awards for 2021, you know, best offensive player, best defensive, blah, blah, blah. On defense, we had a, a lot of difficulty naming best players because there were so many candidates. On offense, we had a problem because there was only one candidate. Tell me beyond Jahan Dotson, who on this past year's offense met expectations? Nobody. Juice, Juice Scruggs. Juice Scruggs. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Running backs were disappointing. Quarterback was disappointing. Tight ends were disappointing. Offensive line was disappointing. Um, I, I'd say Parker Washington met expectations too. So Dotson, Parker Washington, and Juice Scruggs. Not good enough, to your point, Jim. And they lost a lot of close games. I mean, that, that's – although they won some of them. I mean, the thing is, is like the crazy thing about Penn State's record this year is they could have been worse. You know, the Wisconsin game, the Auburn game. Although that goes both ways. They, they won some close games. They lost, I mean, they probably ended up about, about where they should be. And I think it's lack of improvement, player development on offense, and quarterback play and coaching. Well, I appreciate the consistency, Ross. We didn't talk about this ahead of time, but Dotson, uh, Parker Washington, and Drew Scruggs were the three names that we brought up when Dustin and I were doing the segment. Let's get to another question here. Uh, Dave from Lehigh Valley says, great coverage of the NFL and college football, Ross. How would you set up the college football playoffs if you were in charge? It seems the conferences can't agree, and it takes forever to make any changes. You know, I think the 12 is interesting, Jim. I haven't spent that much time thinking about it. I always thought it should be eight. I always thought it should be the champion of the Power Five conferences and then the best group of five team and two at-large teams. That's kind of how I always looked at it. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's very healthy for the sport if they had a group of five team, if the best group of five team got in every year. Kind of like March Madness and the underdogs, the NCAA tournament. I just think it's very healthy to prop up the group of five and to keep those, those schools viable and competitive if you knew the best one of them would get into the playoffs and the attention that goes along with being in the tournament, I think you got Power Five conferences for a reason. Let the champion go. You win your, you win your conference, Power Five, you go. And then there could be years where there's multiple really good teams in a conference. Well, then you get two. You get two from the SEC or maybe two from the Big Ten. I don't know. That always made perfect sense to me, Jim. I don't know. I mean, I'm fine with the 12. I, I guess I, I, I don't really know where that came from. Well, 
I'll tell you what, Ross. I was always an advocate of exactly what you said with the eight teams, the clear path to the playoffs. You win your conference, you go. Just like in basketball, that's an automatic bid. And I thought about it, though, when they put out this 12-team possibility. What I like is I think it actually makes the regular season more important because you got more teams involved. There's more important games. But the other thing that I really love about the 12 team is it's a possibility for the first round games to be held on campus, a home game. I would love that. Totally agree. You know, they're so worried about the bowl system. It's so tied into the bowl system. And I get that. But I agree. I think first round home games would be awesome. Frankly, I'd be fine with home games till the championship. That wouldn't bother me. I mean, I think it's all that's to the victor go the spoils. Exactly, Raw. Could you imagine a Southern team, a Southeast Conference team having to come up to uh, State College or Ann Arbor or Columbus in December for a game? It'd be fantastic, Ross. That it would be amazing. It. That is it for quarter number three. And ask Ross, stick around quarter number four. We'll name our winner and we'll bring back Andy Shea. This is where the temperatures are unkind. This is where water freezes in the blink of an eye. This is where the wind bites harder than a mid-ice cross check. This is where the beer is always on ice. This is Labatt hockey, played the way Mother Nature intended. Labatt Blue is proud to support pond hockey and all the hardy souls that like to play it cool. This is Labatt Hockey. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.